1 Samuel chapter 17, we're seeing some special events. We've been looking at the nation of Israel. If you're, if you're fairly new, we, we go through the Bible, what we call expository teaching, which we go verse by verse, passage by passage. So we started 1 Samuel. It gives us the life of Samuel and Saul, who's the first king of Israel, and David, who is the second king of Israel. And so right now we're seeing the transition time. Saul has been rejected as the king, and David has already been anointed as king, but it's going to be several years before that, before it all comes to pass. We're going to see one of the most famous stories in the Bible, and that is David meets Goliath. Now, it's a lot of verses, so we're only going to look at the first 40, so we're not going to see the whole thing this morning. Take us two weeks to go through it, but we see that David accepts the challenge of this man who comes out. He's nine feet, nine inches tall. His name's Goliath. He's from Gath. He challenges the nation of Israel. Nobody wants to do anything about it, and here's this young boy maybe 14, 15 years old, and uh, he's ready to meet the challenge, and we'll see what happens. You know, when you think about our lives, we all have problems, and it just seems like sometimes in our lives there's bullies, or there's sickness, or there's health issues, or there's something coming up, or there's issues in in our marriage, and jobs, and and children, and everything. And so uh, sometimes we we don't know how to deal with these things. And as we we look at 1 Samuel, there's a giant in, in the life of the people the nation of Israel to be in challenge, not only by, uh, you might say, the Philistines, but by this, this gigantic man. And we're going to see really a contrast today on how two men meet the challenge. We see Saul, who is the king, and David, who is a young boy. And we see a marked contrast, a contrast between the present king of Israel and the future king of Israel. We see that Saul is a man of the flesh who lives for himself. That's what we've been seeing. And then David is a man of the Spirit who has a heart for God. David was already anointed as king. We saw that last time. And Saul has been rejected as the king because he failed to trust God. He failed to obey God. Now, you'd think that if if Saul is is rejected as king and David is anointed as king, the change takes place immediately. It does not. It's going to probably be close to 15 years. We think that David might be 14 or 15 years old in this passage, and he'll be 30 years old when he becomes the king. And so, We see this, and we see when you think about it, David was anointed as one with a heart for God. The Holy Spirit left Saul. That didn't have anything to do with salvation in the Old Testament, but the Holy Spirit left Saul and has come upon David for service. David has already been picked out by Saul to be the one to play music. Saul's already having mental issues, and every time he starts having mental issues, and as the Bible says, this this, uh, evil spirit from the Lord comes upon him, he, he starts messing up, and David comes in and plays. David also becomes comes as armor bearer. Now, that doesn't mean David lives there. David goes back and forth, as we see in our passage this morning. He goes back and forth from his house, his father's house, to sometimes help King Saul. And as we look at this passage, we're going to be challenged. And that is, do we live in the power of the flesh, which is like Saul, or do we live in the power of the spirit, which is like King David, or like David? And I like to call him King David, but at this time, he's he's just a boy. And so as we look at this, let me give you the outline of what we're going to look at this morning. It's 40 verses, but you know, that's, if I took a minute on each verse, that's 40 minutes. So we're not going to take a minute on each verse. Some things will go more than the others, but think about it. Uh, We see Goliath's challenge. That's the first 12 verses. We see David comes to the battle and he finds out about the challenge and so then David accepts the challenge. Now, it's really strange when you think about it. Two armies are battling, and one army, the Philistines, as a giant, has a guy who wants to fight, and here's the nation of Israel, and they're supposed to fight. But who ends up fighting for Israel? A 14-year-old boy. 
and we'll see how all this works out. So uh, David is admired. He's already going to be admired and loved by the people. And by the time this is over, he's not only going to be that, he's going to be famous. And we see him as he trusts God and as he loves God. So let's get ready for the battle. We'll go fairly quickly. Most of you know this story. At least you know it from the time it's one of the stories that are told to all the little children about David and Goliath. And I think there's things in here maybe you've not seen before. Maybe you've never seen it in details. Maybe you only know the children's story. But the Bible has a lot of things in it. Let's look at it. Chapter 17, look at verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered their army for battle. And they were gathered at Succoth, which belongs to Judah. And they camped between Succoth and Azekah in Ephesdamin. Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and camped in the valley of Elah. And they drew up in battle ready to encounter the Philistines. And so the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, while Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with the valley in between them. So there's this battle going to go on, and there's this uh, nation, the, the Philistines have all lined up on this sort of a, and we'll show you in a minute sort of what it looks like, sort of like a hill, and there's a little valley in between. And on the other side, the nation of Israel is all lined up, and they're there. And uh, just to give you an idea of what's going on, here are the five cities of the Philistines, Gaza, Ashkelon, Ashdod, Gath, and Ekron. Gath is where Goliath is from. That's the closest city to this. Here's the two little towns, and there's a valley called the Valley of Elah, and that's where they are. We've got another little map, and it kind of gives you an idea that they've come from this way, and Jews have come from this way, and they're going to have a battle. And let me show you one other picture, and that's, that's the valley. And on this side is the Philistine camps there at that little place there. On the other side is Saul's army, and they're encamped on this side. And, and the Philistine guy, they keep coming out challenging the nation of Israel to fight. And of course, the truth is, I'm not sure anybody really wants to fight. I mean, let's just face it, they're challenging each other for 40 days before this thing is over, and nobody, nobody wants to fight at this time. I think they just want to challenge each other. But the Philistines have, they've, they've had some success, and then they've had some failures, because under Jonathan's leadership, uh, they've, they've won some victories. And even under David, they've won some victories. So we're going to see what, what has happened and, and those kind of things. So look what happens in chapter 17, look at verse 4. Then a champion came out from the armies of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Now, this guy comes out, and he's nine feet, nine inches tall. We, we wanted, I wanted to, they wouldn't do this, but I asked the people that's setting up everything yesterday, if they just put this big old head standing right up there, that'd be like Goliath peering over, because he's nine feet, nine inches tall. He could do that. Can you imagine nine feet, nine inches tall? Listen, we all think about how we are now, and the average man in America today is between five nine and five ten. But in that day and time, the average man was about my height, about five, 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 four, you know. And so uh, people weren't very big. In fact, if you look and if you go to these museums and you see Civil War uniforms and everything, if you look at them, you go, those are pretty small. They were. People weren't big. Can you imagine a person about my size uh, facing a person that's almost 10 feet tall? And that's what we see. And, and for the most, you know, we always say that Saul was the tallest man uh, in, the, in the army of Israel. Well, he may have been maybe six feet tall if he's the tallest man. And so here's Goliath, almost 10 feet tall. And he's coming out and he's challenging. And notice what it says. A champion came out from the armies of the Philistines. His name was Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span, nine feet, nine inches tall. And then he gives us some more information. He had a bronze helmet on his head and was clothed with scale armor, which weighed 5,000 shekels of bronze. That's 125 pounds. They had a deal that they would not only wear the armor, but they had these like chain mail things that they wore across that would stop swords and things like that. It weighed, that by itself weighed 125 
75 pounds. He also had bronze greaves on his legs, that was those things, and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and the head of the spear weighed 600 shekels of iron. That's 16 pounds. If you've ever picked up a College discus. Now, when I, you know, I coached track for a long time. Junior high, uh, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, excuse me, uh, the shot put. The junior high shot put weighs eight pounds. The high school shot put weighs twelve pounds, and the college shot put in long weighs sixteen pounds. Have you ever held sixteen pounds and tried to throw it? The end of his spear weighed sixteen pounds. So this is a giant guy, and he's coming out, and he's going to challenge the nation of Israel every day. Look what it says. He stood in, this is verse 8. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel and said to them, Why do you come out to draw up in battle array? Am I not the Philistine, and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. So he challenged them, and he says, What do you think you're doing? You want to fight? I'm the Philistine, you're the people of Saul, why don't you come fight? Look what he says. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we'll become your servants. If I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall become our servants and we'll you know, and serve us. Well, that's really not true because we're going to see what happens in the battle. when Whoever wins, everybody else runs off. You know, so they're not really telling the truth. Like, if I lose, all the Philistines will automatically become your servants. And, of course, the Jews are thinking, well, just because we lose, we're not going to do that. But that's, that's what he's challenging. Now, here's the key. And the key to the whole thing is not just he's challenging Israel to fight. He's challenging the God of Israel. Watch. He goes on and says, verse 10, Again, the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight Together, He says he defies, uh, that's by his, his stuff. He says, I defy the ranks of Israel, the army of Israel. Everyone knows. I mean, it was known that, that uh, he was making fun of God. Everybody knew that the God of Israel fought for the nation of Israel. Whenever they'd go to fight, they would talk about the God of Israel. That's why sometimes when they were fighting against the Philistines, they actually took the Ark of the Covenant out there, which they weren't supposed to do. And they've done that. And we've seen all these kind of things. And so he's actually making fun of the God of of Israel. He's making fun of our God. Now, the Philistines worshipped Dagon, which was half fish, half man. We've, we've seen some of that already, where that, that uh, statue of a half man, half fish, when they took the Ark of the Covenant in front of it, it fell over and the head fell off and the hands fell off and all of those things. But that's their God. And they're saying, if we beat you, our God's better than your God. And so he's making fun of the nation of Israel and he's making fun of the God of Israel. And it's a great truth that we need to realize is the battle belongs to the Lord, not us. He may be making fun of the God of Israel. He may be challenging people, but the real battle belongs to the Lord. And whatever the issues and the trials and the problems you have in your life, you're not the one that's going to have to fight them. It's God through you. God deals with these things. David is going to say later on, I'm just going to read this to you. In verse 45, David says, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts for the God of the armies of Israel. And later he says, I'll come to you for the battle is the Lord's. And that's one thing we have to think about. We get up every day and probably every one of us have issues and problems and trials and ups and downs. And some things are bigger than others and some things are smaller than others. But we face battles all day long every day because we live in a fallen world and we're fallen people. And so how do we fight those battles? It's not us saying, I'm just going to try to be good. It's us knowing that in our Savior Jesus Christ and His power through us, we can live for Jesus Christ and we can have victory.
So look at the response when the Philistine says, give me a man that we may fight together. Verse 11, and Saul and all Israel heard the words of the Philistine and they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now let me ask you something. Who's probably the biggest person for the Philistines? We'd say probably Goliath. Who's the biggest person for the Jewish people? We'd say probably who? Probably Saul. So in reality, who should have probably said, wait a minute. I will fight him because I'm the leader of Israel and God is our strength and shield. He just may be a big guy, but I can fight. But he doesn't do that. In fact, what does the army do? It says, when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Let me tell you what they're doing. The Jewish army is looking at the problem rather than looking at God who is the problem solver. So when we, we think about going through life, sometimes we spend all our time looking at the issues and the problems rather than the one that can take care of these things. God is our strength and our shield, not us. And as we go through life, we don't say, I hope I can make this. We say, Lord, take me and use me for your glory and you be my strength and shield as I seek to live for you. Well, now the writer of 1 Samuel, and some people think that, for, that Samuel wrote 1 Samuel all the way up to the end till where he dies and all of this. Some people thought that he wrote this. It says, now David, he's going to give us a description again who David is and make sure we understand who he is. Now David was the son of the Ephraimite of Bethlehem and Judah, whose name was Jesse, and he had eight sons. Jesse had eight sons. Jesse was old in age at the days of Saul, advanced in years among men. David's daddy was already too old, too old to fight or anything. The three older sons of Jesse had gone after Saul to battle. And the names of the three sons who went to battle were Eliabab, the firstborn. The second to him was Abinadab, and the third was Shammah. Now, we've already seen these sons. You remember when Samuel went to anoint? Samuel called Jesse. God told Samuel to go to Jesse, and one of Jesse's eight sons, he didn't say eight sons, all God told him is one of Jesse's sons will be the next king. When he got there, there were seven sons. The first one is, is Eliabab, and he's big, and God says, don't look at him. I look at the inside. Man looks at the outside, and they all pass by. And finally, Samuel said, do you not have any more sons? He said, yeah, I got one more, but he's out, he's out back with the sheep. And he said, bring him in. And it was David, and he anointed David. And so we, see, we know we've seen these sons before. These are the three oldest sons of Saul. They're old enough to be at the battle. And notice it goes on to say that David was the youngest, verse 14. Now, the three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's flock at Bethlehem. We've already seen that David is going to be, uh, the, he's the armor bearer of Saul, and he also plays the music for Saul. But he doesn't live with Saul. He goes back and forth because the three oldest boys are fighting. And so David goes back and takes care of his father's sheep. That's what we're finding at this point. And so he doesn't live with Saul at this time. There's going to come a time he's going to live with Saul. Verse 16. Uh, and by, let me put this up, by the way. David would go back and forth from Saul to, to his home to take care of his father's sheep. Now watch this, verse 16. The Philistine came forward morning and evening for 40 days and took his stand. A lot of times we read it and we think that once a day the Philistine came out, Goliath came out, and he, morning and evening. He came out morning and evening and made the challenge. Every day, this man comes out and says, I represent the Philistines and our God. You represent Israel and Saul and your God. See if you can find somebody to fight me. And of course, nobody wants to fight him. They're all afraid. So he comes out every day. And it, notice this. The Philistine came forward morning and evening for 40 days and took his stand. My first thought is, why are y'all waiting 40 days? I mean, why is this every day? Can y'all not, are y'all don't want to fight? What's the deal? 
For 40 days, you keep saying, anybody want to fight? Well, yeah, maybe someday one of us wants to fight, but right now nobody is. By the way, 40 is a special number in the Bible. It's an idea of testing. Have you ever thought about how 40 is used in the Bible? Look at this. It rained in the, in the flood for how long? 40 days and 40 nights. When they went to spy out the land, they spied out the land for 40 days. When they wandered in the wilderness, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. When Saul was the first king of Israel, he was the king of Israel for 40 years. When David was the second king of Israel, he was the king for 40 years. When Solomon was the third king of Israel, he was the king for 40 years. When Goliath made the challenge, it was 40 days. When Jonah went to Nineveh, he gave them 40 days. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, it was for 40 days. And when Jesus walked on the earth after his resurrection, it was for 40 days. 40 is a special number in the Bible. It has an idea of testing. And so the Philistine is testing the nation of Israel and testing, in a sense, testing God. What's, what's going to happen? What are the people going to do? Well, we'll go quickly. Look at this right here. Jesse said to David, his son, Take now for your brothers an ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves and run to the camp to your brothers. Bring also these ten cuts of cheese to the commander of their thousand and look into the welfare of your brothers and bring back news of them. For Saul and they and all the men of Israel are fighting or in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. So Saul's, uh, David's dad, Jesse, says, here's what I want you to do. You know, you got your brothers out there fighting because they're old enough. You're not really old enough to fight, but I want you to take some grain to them and some loaves of bread because they, they need to eat while they're there. That's, I mean, there's, there's just not, that's how they fed themselves. The, the families would bring the, the food to the soldiers. And then he also says, bring these 10 cuts of cheese. Let's take some cheese, cut it up and take it to their commander. You know, we, we, everybody wants to be on the good side of the guy leading the, his little thousand men or whatever it is. And so take that to, to him and then see how your brothers are doing. Now, have you ever stopped to think about how do David's brothers, what do they think about him? I want to stop for a minute. You realize that you're, you're the oldest brother and you're standing there and Samuel, you, you know that Samuel is about to anoint a king. And you think, I'm pretty much it. And he passes you. And then he passes the next guy. And, he passes, and it's the youngest one that comes out. Well, you're the oldest. How do you feel about that? You go, why him? I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a kid and he's nothing. I mean, I'm big. I'm handsome. I'm everything. Wonder why I didn't get picked. So how is David... And his brothers, how are things going? Well, let's see what happens. So, Saul, so Jesse says, take this to your brothers and make sure they've got some food. So verse 20. So David rose up early in the morning and left the flock with a keeper. And he took the supplies and went as Jesse commanded. And he came to the circle of the camp while the army was going out in the battle array, shouting the war cry. About the time he got there, uh, that it was about time for the battle. And the best we can tell, they lined up in the morning, and, and Goliath came out and challenged them. And then they lined up in the evening, and they came out and challenged them. And so it's morning time, and everybody's about ready to go. And so he gets up that morning, left the flock, and he takes the supplies, and he came to the camp while the army was going out to battle. So everybody's getting up, and they're all going out to line up. And and that's what we think they did. They lined up on one side of the big hill and looked out, and then there's the valley, and the Philistines lined up on the other side of the hill. And, of course, Goliath would come out and challenge him. So he gets there, and everybody's doing something. Now, now, watch this. This is something I want you to think about. David is always faithful in the little things. This is the key. Faithful in the little, faithful in the big. And the big is about to come. We talked about this for the several weeks that David was faithful. He was faithful as a, as a young boy. He was faithful to be. When all of the family was in there with Samuel, 
David was outside. He was faithful to do what his father told him to do. And we see that David is a faithful man. And the key, as we've talked about many, many times, is are we faithful in that which is little? Because we say things like, I want to do big things for God. I want God to really use me. Are you willing to do little things for God and let him use us? Because it starts with a little. He that is faithful in that which is little will be faithful in that which is much. He that is unfaithful in that which is little will not be faithful in that which is much. What is David's job? It's not to go fight. David's job is to bring food to his brothers and some cheese to the commander. That's it. Is he going to be faithful? Watch what he does. Verse 20, David rose in the morning, left the flock with the keeper, took the supplies. As Jesse commanded, he came to the circle of the camp, and they're all about to go out to fight. Israel and the Philistines drew up in battle array, army against army. So what did David do? Well, David left his baggage in the care of the baggage keeper. There's a person that says, here, this is stuff for my brothers and the commander. I'll just leave it here because I want to go out and see what's going on. And David left it in the baggage in the care of the baggage keeper, and he ran to the battle line and entered in order to greet his brothers. He knows his brothers are lined up to fight. And so he left everything, and he's, he's going out there. Now, think about it. Uh, his brother, his oldest brother, is probably this much taller than David is at this time. I mean, so this, he's going out to see his brothers. The brothers are the fighters. David is a shepherd. David's a boy. And he comes to see the battle. So watch what happens. As he was talking with them, as he saw his brothers, and he said, I've come, I brought some food, I left it back by the guy, and, and, uh, and the champion came out a Philistine from Gath named Goliath and was coming up from the army of the Philistines and he spoke the same words and David heard them. He's there and all of a sudden he sees this giant step out and challenge, I represent the Philistines, you represent Saul, pick a man and fight me. If you win, we'll be your servants. If I win, you'll be our servants. And he makes fun of God. And David is standing there, and he hears this giant make this charge. Wow. And so what's going to happen? And when, Now watch what happens. And when the men of Israel saw the man, they fled from him and were greatly afraid. They fled from him and were greatly afraid. The soldiers ran away. Now let me tell you the... The best we can tell, you remember the Philistines are on one hill and the Jewish people are on the other hill and there's the valley. And possibly, the reason why they kind of stood back is it's possible that the Philistine has started down the hill and he's going he's to come up to the Jews. And they're all getting scared and they're all getting afraid and they're all beginning to back up. And what we see is the soldiers ran away from the problem, but David will run toward the problem. I want you to think about life. You can't run from the problems in your life. You have to face the problems in your life. And the only way you can face the problems in your life is with Jesus Christ. You don't run from the problems because they just get bigger. If you keep running from Goliath, he just keeps coming up the hill. And the closer he gets to you, the bigger he is. And if you run from your problems, if we run from our problems, they get bigger and bigger and bigger in the power of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we stand strong and face the battle. That's why the Bible says, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand. He doesn't say go fight. He says you stand in the power of God. And that's the only way we have victory. 
So the army's running away. All the men are afraid. But David, David's not afraid. David looks and says, what in the world is going on? The men of Israel said, and one of them turns to, to David and said, have you seen this man who's coming up? Surely he's coming up to defy Israel. I think he's walking that way. And it will be that the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Saul had a deal. Saul said, hey, I need some help. Who would be willing to fight this man? Here's what we're going to do. If you fight this man and win, I will give you a lot of money. You'll get to marry one of my daughters. And from then on, your family doesn't have to pay taxes. I mean, he's trying to get them to fight. And nobody wants to fight. He says, you can be rich. You can marry. I've got a daughter named Michael. I've got another daughter. You can marry all of And tax-free. Tax-free. It's a bribe. The people are so afraid, he's going to have to bribe them. You know, the, the, the nation of Israel faced giants before. You remember when they were about to go in the land and they sent the 12 spies in? And two of the spies came back and said, there's giants in the land, we can't defeat them. And two, Joshua and Caleb said, yeah, we can. We can defeat them in God's power. But they all wept and said, no, we're not going to go. Now they got another giant to face. What are you going to do with the giants? We're going to face them or not. They keep walking toward us. They're not going away. And so they say to David, look, look what God will do. He'll give them wealth and marry the daughter and everything will be tax-free. So watch what happens. David spoke to the men who were standing by him saying, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach of Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine, which means he's not a member of the covenant, he's not Jewish, he's not a believer, he's a pagan. Who is this pagan that he should taunt the armies, watch, of the living God? He didn't say the armies of Israel. He says the armies of the living God. He says this person is making fun of the living God. And the people answered him in accord with the word saying, thus he shall be done for the man who does this. He says, who has taken away the, the reproach of Israel, making fun of God's people? Who is this man who worships a statue that falls over and his head falls off? And we're afraid of him? We're standing here like we don't have God. We go through life as if we're just making it on our own. We're not going through life making it on our own. We have Jesus Christ who lives within us. No longer I live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I live, I live by faith in what? In the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. We don't live for ourselves. We don't go through life by ourselves. We go through life in the power of God, and that's how you deal with the big giants in your life. And David says, what, what is going on here? Who is this guy who's making fun of us? So his brother hears it. Eliabab, his oldest brother, heard that when he spoke to the men, Eliabab's anger burned against David and said, why have you come here? Whom do you think you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your insolence and the wickedness of your heart. You've come down just to see the battle. Now his, his brother's jealous of him. His brother said, what are you asking all these questions about, about who's going to fight the man? You just you got nothing but a little bunch of sheep. And anyway, I'm the fighter in the family, and you just ought to go back home and take care of your sheep. I think he's jealous. I think he's jealous because David's been anointed as king, because David was the youngest and anointed as king. And David is actually serving Saul by being the one to play the music. Look at 
Look how David answers. But David said, what have I done now? It was just a question. <laughs> David's great. David's great. You realize that when we stand for do what's right, there'll always be opposition. When you stand to do what's right, there'll always be opposition. And it's not necessarily from the world. When you stand to do what's right, there's sometimes fellow Christians who are against you when you stand to do what's right. David does something really wise. He just, he just basically gives a soft answer. The Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath. He's not, he's not there to fight his brother. He's there to fight the enemy. David turns away. And look what it says. He turned away from him to another and said the same thing. And the people answered the same thing. He said, what's supposed to be going on? Well, watch what happens. When the words which David spoke were heard, they sent to Saul. Told him to Saul, and he sent for him. So David's asking people about, well, what do you got to do to fight this guy? I'll be glad to fight this guy. And the word comes to Saul, and somebody comes up to Saul and says, hey, there's a guy out here that says he'd be willing to fight. And he says, really? Tell him to come here. And when the words which were heard to David spoke were heard, they told him to Saul, and he sent for him. David said to Saul, let no man's heart fell on account of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. Now, Saul thinks, finally, somebody's coming, so I don't have to be the one to fight him. But then what do you think he thought when he saw David? A boy. Not one of the soldiers who says, I'm willing to fight. A boy comes up and says, by the way, I'm willing to fight. And look what he says. Let no man's heart fall on account of him. Let nobody be afraid because this guy, your servant, will go and fight with this Philistine. I will go and fight that giant guy. I'm not afraid of him. Not afraid of him. Saul said to David, you're not able to fight against the Philistine. You're just a youth. And this guy's been a warrior from his youth. This guy's a man. He's an older man. He's been a fighter on and on and on and on. You're just a boy. But David said to Saul, your servant was tending his father's sheep and a bear or a lion would come and take a lamb from the flock and I went after him and I attacked him and I rescued him out of his mouth and when he came up against me, I killed him. I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Why? Since he has taunted the armies of the living God. David said, listen, I, I've been in tough stuff before. I mean, I, I've, I've killed a lion before. I've killed a bear before. Do you, do you think that's true? Of course it's true. He's not lying. David, 14, 15 years old, protected the sheep. That was a little thing, protect the sheep. But what did he have to do sometimes? He had to save those sheep alive. And now he says to Saul, hey, I'm not afraid of him. Listen, I've fought bears before. I've fought uh, lions before. And I'm going to tell you, just like God gave them into my hand, he'll give this uncircumcised, this pagan, into my hand. Because he has taunted the living God. You want to stand strong in a fallen world? We just got to trust God, don't we? We have to stand in God's power. James 4, 8, draw near to God, and he'll do what? He'll draw near to you. Hebrews 13, 5, he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. What should you fear? Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through the one who strengthens me. Philippians 4, 19, my God will supply all your needs. He'll supply everything. We don't have to be afraid when we go out these doors. We gather together to worship, and we come together as a group, and we're a family, and we love each other, and we're saying we're here to worship and to be trained and equipped, and then we have to go out in the real world. But we don't have to be afraid when we go out in the real world.
You have to be afraid of anything because you represent the living God and you have Jesus Christ in you and it's not just you, but it's God through you. And we stand strong in a fallen world because God is our strength and our shield. So look what happens. And David said, let me read verse 37 again. The Lord delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear. He'll deliver me from this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and may the Lord be with you. Now Saul said, okay, 14-year-old boy, go fight. I don't know Saul. I don't think Saul has any, any opportunity to do anything else. I mean, Saul could say, wait a minute. You're right. You're a boy. You want to fight him? I should fight him. But that's not what Saul does. Saul says, well, okay. Uh, do you need a sword or anything? Because that's what he does. He said, do you need anything? Then Saul clothed David with his garments and put on a bronze helmet on his head and clothed him with his armor. Now, Saul is the tallest guy in Israel. And he gives to David a boy his armor, which means wouldn't fit most people because he's the biggest. So he gives it to David to wear. And look what it said. David girded his sword over his arm and he tried to walk. He hadn't tested him. So David said to Saul, I can't go with these things. I'm not tested them. And he took them off. He says, uh, he was trying to walk with the sword and all this stuff and the things that's on you and the, the male thing. He said, but this is, I can't, it's too heavy. I can't move. I, I can't even see how to held my thing. Because uh, it, it keeps falling down on my eyes. I mean, what do you want me to do? I can't, I have not tested these. I can't use these things. He took them off. You could say, well, how are you going to go to battle without, without a sword and without a shield and without a chest thing, a breastplate? And how are you going to fight? How are you going to fight a battle without the weapons of the world? How are you going to fight a battle without the weapons of the world? You don't need the weapons of the world. You don't need to be like the world. You just need to be like your Savior. That's the only way you win. We don't need the world's ways. We need God's ways. So what happened? David girded the sword over his armor, tried to walk. He said, I can't do that. So he took his stick in his hand, that's his shepherd's staff, and chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. He's, already, he's coming down already. He's already walking down the hill, and Goliath is already walking down. Goliath also has an armor bearer in front of him carrying a big old shield. They're coming down to meet him. And David, as he walks down by the brook, he picked up five smooth stones from the brook, put them in the shepherd's bag, which he had in his pouch, and his sling, which was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. David used the sling the weapon of a shepherd. We use the power of God, the word of God, and the spiritual gifts that he's given us. That's how we fight the battle. That's how we stand strong. David will fight Goliath with a sling. Now, don't think of a slingshot. This is not a slingshot, but, you know, I'm going to pull back that thing. No, this is a sling, which was like, it was like a, a cord that had a little pouch, and they'd put a rock in there, and then they'd hold it, and they'd spin it around like this, and then they were so good that they, when they let go at one, that rock would come out of there. Now, you had to be good. You had to practice. I mean, you could, you could do that a lot, go out, nothing, no telling where it would go until you got good with it. 
And David could do it. He could do that thing and let it go and that rock would go right where he wanted to. When people talk about these stones, uh, um, some of them think they're big as tennis balls. They're, they're not a little bitty rock like that big. It may have been a rock about that big. And, and the question always comes up, people say, why, why five stones? Maybe miss a couple of times? Maybe hit him and bounce off? Who knows? Some have said, and, and I don't know how David would know this, but as you read further on in the scripture, Goliath had four brothers, five in all. Some have said that David had heard that Goliath had family, maybe four brothers, and so maybe he got five stones so that when he killed Goliath, he'd be ready to kill the other four if they came after him. We don't know that. All we know, David's going with the stones. By the way, I, I watched a movie uh, of this one day, and they showed David going after Goliath, and David picks it up and slings, and it misses, and then it picks up again, and Goliath knocks it away, and he picks it up again, finally hits Goliath. That's not what happened at all. We'll see next week exactly what happened. David didn't miss, and he didn't need five stones. And we'll see what happens next time. David will fight Goliath with a sling. We stand in this world with the power of God and the word of God and the gifts that God has given to us. So what have we seen? Goliath comes out every day and challenges. They're all afraid. David comes, finds out what's happened. Brothers of jealousy basically tell him, once you go back home, David goes and stands before Saul, and then he goes to fight Goliath. And beginning in verse 41, we see the battle. Let me give you some applications. Let's, let's trust God in the problems of life. Our goal, our goal, you know, our goal is to glorify God, and the problems are going to come, and they, they, they don't go away. They don't go away. Keep our focus on God and not the circumstances. See, they were all looking to the problem rather than the problem solver. And sometimes we wake up and all we can see is the problems in our lives are still the one that can take care of them. It's easy to get wrapped up in the situation. Romans 8, 28, just remember God's working all things. Also remember in Hebrews 12 that we run the race looking unto who? We run the race of endurance looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We keep the focus on Christ and not on our circumstances. He will never leave us or forsake us. The second thing to think about is just deal with the problems in God's power. You run to the problem, not away from the problem. And you deal with God's power, not our power. That's how we do it. It's God's word, it's God's power, and it's the God's gifts that he's given to us. And that's why we walk in the spirit, will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's why I count it all joy when you fall into various trials. That's why we can do all things through the one who strengthens us. The second application is a very simple one. Let's live at peace with others. David's, David's brother was, was mad at him and fussed at him. And David could have gotten an argument with his brother. But he said, he, deep down he says, you know, I'm not here to fight my brother. I'm here to, to, I'm here to serve my father and then to find out what's going on. And fellow believers, sometimes we spend so much time fighting each other instead of living for Jesus Christ. So we want to stand strong. Live at peace with one another. As the Bible says, as much as possible, be at peace with all people. The third one is my favorite. Let's be faithful in the little things. What seemed unimportant, take some food to your brothers, ended up being the most, at this point, the most important day in his life. Let's be faithful to fulfill the small things that God has given us so we'll be faithful in the bigger things that God will give us. Let's stand strong for our Savior.